In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When our Lord took Peter, James, and John up Mount Tabor, this was just about a week after their turning around to the northernmost point of their journeys in Caesarea Philippi, where Peter had declared our Lord to be the Christ, the Son of the living God, to whom our Lord said, then you are Peter, tu es Petrus, and on this rock I will build my church, and I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Maybe minutes later, our Lord then told them about the death he would undergo. And Peter insisted, no, this will never happen to you. To whom our Lord said, get behind me, Satan. When Peter declared him to be the Christ, the son of the living God, our Lord praised him for flesh and blood did not reveal this to him, but his heavenly father did. But in rebuking Peter, Peter for refusing to accept his words about his coming death, he said, you are thinking as men do, not as God does. Now Peter, James, and John are going up a high mountain. Mount Tabor was a place that our Lord would have seen almost every day of his childhood, at least every day spent in Nazareth. Nazareth is a a hilltop town on a ridge, almost the shape of a fish hook. And from the southernmost end of that ridge, you can see right there, you can almost just grab it and touch it. Mount Tabor is a perfect hill, perfect small mountain in the middle of the Jezreel Valley, just a short journey from Nazareth. Very steep, difficult to walk up. Would have taken them hours to walk from the bottom to the top. As much as there was great effort on their part to get there, to remain in our Lord's company, what would happen up at the top would be no reward for their efforts. It was not an indication of how holy they were. In the aftermath, they would come down that tall mountain and then return to the the same chaos and suffering that they had seen so many other places. A possessed boy, a father bereft. When our Lord gives us an insight, we we must employ it and we must um, recognize it as something that comes from God, and it doesn't mean that the rest of the words out of my mouth are coming from God, but I know those words did. 
when we have a, an intense experience of the closeness of God, when we have of, of the, the, the experience of, of being almost in heaven, we cherish it and recognize that it won't, it won't last forever. It might last a moment. And then don't despair when you're back into the, just the regular suffering and the drudgery of life. If that intense experience was accepted properly, then you can always recall it and always remember it. Especially as spouses are, are directing each other's souls and guiding each other to heaven, it's good to remember that when we're having a great experience, let's just remember it won't last forever so we don't get crestfallen. And, it, and when you're in the when you're in the depths, don't worry, this won't last forever. And remember that the last beautiful experience we had. Remember, remember God's consolations. Don't forget them. What is it that they experience at the top of that mountain? A vision. It's difficult to describe in human language. A transformation, transformation, a transfiguration. Our Lord, his face shone like the sun. Moses and Elijah to either side, and they're speaking to each other. We can ignore Peter's words. He didn't even know what he was saying. He was so terrified. But the words we should remember are those of God the Father. This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. We've heard those words before. We heard him at the Jordan, at the baptism. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. It makes me wonder. On a few occasions, onlookers, I think it's onlookers, not onslooker, onlookers heard these words from heaven, this conversation between the Father and the Son. Did our Lord hear that all the time? Was he constantly hearing from his Father, this is my beloved Son, you are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Not only with all the time he spent in prayer and all the time he eagerly left their company in the middle of the night or stayed up all night to be with God the Father, to pray. But more than that, just knowing the constant love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the eternal union of the Holy Trinity. What happened on the transfiguration experience was unique for Peter, James, and John, but probably wasn't unique for our Lord. But at times, this hidden reality is made visible for us. At times, this secret is made audible. Partly for our benefit, but remembering that this isn't a sign of my spiritual growth, it's for God's purpose. 
What then was our Lord's purpose? We're told as much in the sacred liturgy especially. This was given them to help them persevere in the face of our Lord's passion and death. It's easy for us to think about what they saw being so indelible that no matter, no matter the, the, the fear and the horror of what was going on on Good Friday, they remembered that, but they could only, they could just as easily just cause them confusion and anguish. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Where is that voice now? Could have been their thought. There are little words at the very end that we should perhaps pay more attention. Our Lord commanded them. It sounds like a mere instruction, but it could very well have been the words that were going to accomplish God's purpose. He told them, tell no one until the Son of Man rises from the dead. And the, and the Gospels tell us, especially Mark, they did talk, Peter, James, and John, they talked about this. They didn't talk about it to other people, but they talked about it among themselves. And they were especially puzzled over the, the last phrase, rising from the dead. What does that mean? What is he talking about? That's precisely the message and the, and, and the, the memorable puzzle that could have kept everything intact as Holy Thursday and Good Friday and Holy Saturday were unfolding. We should also consider, too, if, if God did this to make sure that they would persevere, it is important Impossible. It is incompatible with what God would allow that they would falter. They did falter, but they didn't f completely fail. John ran away from the garden, but came back to the cross. Peter betrayed him three times, but was still in the company of the apostles at the resurrection. It is impossible to imagine what would happen if Peter had killed himself the way Judas did, another betrayer. What would happen if John had just simply ran back home to Zebedee? It's impossible to imagine because obviously God would not allow it. That could not happen. In the face of the mystery of evil, we call to mind from time to time for good reason that I don't always do good God's will. You don't always do God's will. That means not everything that happens was God's will. But by his providence, he still manage every, manages everything so that, in the words of St. Paul, God ordains all things for the good of those who love him. 
sometimes we can forget the fact that sometimes God makes certain that something happens. And there is no alternative. There was no alternative to our Lord offering up the sacrifice of himself on the cross. Peter couldn't understand that and had to be rebuked because he was thinking as men do, not as God does. It had to happen that Christ rose from the grave and showed his resurrected body and revealed heaven in the flesh, not just by a vision. It must happen that God is worshipped with this sacrifice, that souls are baptized, that the church exists is our lifeboat in a fallen world. And so we find ourselves then in a, in a most sacred moment where what could be but doesn't have to be intersects with what must be It's not necessary for this parish to have been erected, for this church to have been built, for you to be a believer, for us to be here. But it is necessary that God be worshipped, that the sacrament be offered, and that the church prevail against the gates of hell. It is necessary that the angels and the saints worship God in heaven forever. It is their eternal privilege. It will never be deprived of them. It happens to be our privilege now to join in their worship. And so now is a good moment to bid God for a similar grace. Be it by what we see or what we smell or by the usual means of growing in faith by what we hear. To persevere under the test. To cling to him no matter what. To prefer death to a mortal sin. doesn't need to happen. But God does intend you, his sons and daughters, to be with him forever in heaven. And just as we cooperate with his will now and are part of what must be, so too by his grace will will we be so forever. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.